Good morning, everyone. Good to see you this morning. Uh, we've been there. We are okay. Uh, we've been spending the last uh, few weeks kind of looking at our inner life, uh, kind of just doing a checkup. You know, every year it's always good to get a checkup, make sure everything's functioning well. And so we've been kind of doing that for our spiritual life for the last few weeks. Uh, we started with looking at our heart. If you remember, about three weeks ago, uh, asking the question, "Who is our first love? Who who is our first love? Is it Jesus? Uh, are we focusing on something else?" Uh, next, uh, we looked at the mind, and we asked the question, what are we doing to grow our mind? Uh, how are we engaging with Scripture? How are we uh, continually learning? Uh, and then last week, we, we looked at our ears, and we asked the question, um, are we listening to God? Are, are we taking the time to hear from God? Are, are we taking the time to allow others to speak into our lives? And today, we're going to examine the, the next area of our life. And that's the eyes. Um, you know, it, it's interesting. When I mention the eyes, I know nine times out of ten people start thinking about the stuff we're looking at. You know, you're expecting a sermon on, on uh, pornography or on media or on what movies uh, we do or what we watch. Um, and, and all of that's important, and we need to be concerned about all of that. But there's something more important than just... Uh, what we, we look at. I had a, a friend of mine once uh, do this wonderful uh, example. Um, you know, the things that we focus on is, is what we, we really takes control of our life. And I remember uh, once upon a time, he, he did this example. Um, and and it, was, it was this. He, he told a story to everybody who was in the room. And I'll, I'll use the exact same story. I bet you guys don't know this, but there is a crack. Don't look behind you. There's a crack in the wall right above Bryce's head. It's been there, we tried to patch it, we tried to paint it, we tried to make it go away. When the light's just right, you can see this crack. It goes right up to the roof. Don't look behind you. Um, just take my word that it's there. It goes right up to the roof. And as I talk about this crack, and I kind of describe it, I think it's where the two pieces of drywall kind of came together, and they didn't do a good caping job. And it just, man, it almost looks like it's, it's like one piece of drywall sliding out from the other. Uh, deep down inside, of each one of you is kind of like cringing. There's a crack back there. There's a crack. And right now your minds are in a place where you're like, I need to look at that crack. I want to see that crack. And I guarantee you, when you all leave today and you stand up and you turn around, you're going to go by Bryce, not say hi to Bryce, but to look above his head to see if there's actually a crack in the wall above him. And there it is. Sometimes the things we focus on, when we say, you know, we talk about vision, we shouldn't do this, we shouldn't do that, we shouldn't watch that, all of a sudden they become so ingrained in our mind that they control us, they drive us, it's what moves us. And it's important to be concerned about those things. But when we talk about vision, we talk about our eyes, there's something else we need to look at. What is our vision? What is the thing that is driving our lives? What is the thing that we're concerned about? So today, we're going to look a bit at that. As we look at the eyes, we're going to think a lot about vision. So let's take a moment and pray. Holy Spirit, we just welcome your presence here today. Lord, we just ask, come and, come and speak to us today. 
Lord, your word gives life into our lives. For many of us, we need that. We need life. So Lord, as we dig into your word today, come and speak to each one of us. Speak into our hearts. Speak into our minds. Speak into our spirits, Lord. Come and speak. Thank you. You welcome me here today. Just pray all this in Jesus' name. Proverbs 29, 18 in the King James says, Where there is no vision, people perish. Where there is no vision, people perish. And we hear that, and, and we think, oh, that, that sounds nice. And when we look at leadership books, and when we read business books, they talk vision, vision, vision. And sometimes we hear so much about vision that we put it out of our heads. But, but the concept, the thing here is, where there is no vision, where people do not have a vision for their lives, a calling for their lives, people perish. I, I firmly believe that, I, and I know depression, uh, there, there are medical issues, there are chemical issues for it. But I really believe that deep down, an underlying issue for depression is lack of vision. Lack of vision for what the calling on a person's life is, what the purpose of a per- person's life is. And when we lack that, when we have this place where we have no vision, where we have no purpose, where we don't feel a calling in our lives, life becomes hard. It becomes difficult, it becomes a drudgery. So what's the vision for your life? What's God's vision for your life? See, vision gives hope. Vision uh, gives life. Without it, we fail. Do you ever watch a sporting event, a football game, where all of a sudden you see one team getting decimated in the first half, and then they go into the halftime speech, and you know the, the, the coach goes and he gives that big old halftime speech, and all of a sudden they come out and everything changes, and, and the team looks like it's a brand new team? 90% of the time, it's not because the coach came up with a new formula or a new format or a new way of doing things. It was that he imposed a vision. Win one for the Gipper. Rally cry. Something to focus on. Something to give motivation for. Something to give life. And for many of us, we go through this world without a whole lot of vision. We focus on the issues that are in front of us. We focus on the difficulties, the trials, the, the, the temptations that are in front of us. And, and we completely miss what God has for us or what he's called us to do or what he's doing around us. I, I believe there's a, a high percentage of us that don't even believe God has something for us. God's called other people, just not me. And so the question for us is about vision. How is our vision? When we talk about eyes, how is our vision? There's a great story, a great example about vision in 2 Kings uh, chapter 6. Now, Elisha has been causing some problems for the kings of the world. And he begins to cause some problems for the king of Aram. And we see this in 2 Kings 6, starting in verse 8. Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God, Elisha, sent word to the king of Israel, Beware 
of passing that place because the Armenians are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on guard in such and such in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded them, Tell me, which of us is on the side of king of Israel? None of us, my lord, the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha, the prophet, who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Go and find where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back. He is in Dauphin. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early in the morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my lord, what shall we do, the servant asked. Just take a moment for a second and think about this picture. The servant wakes up and he looks outside his window and there is this massive army surrounding the city. And they're there for one purpose. And that's to capture his master. To take him away. Which means that he's in trouble too. And as he looks at this army, what's running through his mind is that there's no way out. There's no hope. There's no salvation. There's nothing that they can do. They're stuck. But the problem for Elisha's servant was that he only saw partially. He only saw what was right in front of him. But there was so much more to see. Verse 16. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full with horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. What God is doing for us is usually far greater than what we realize or than what we see. What God is doing is usually much bigger than whatever the problems that seem to be surrounding us. But the problem is sometimes our focus is of such that we can't see what God is doing around us. There's an old saying, you can't see the forest for the trees. Think about what it's saying. You're in the middle of the forest, you're surrounded by these big trees, and all you see is the trees in front of you. You don't realize that there's a massive wood, a massive forest around you. You know, in the falls around here, we all go and do the corn mazes. We do the one uh, up in Malta all the time. We, take, we used to take the youth there all the time. And the corn mazes are fun. And when you're in the midst of the corn maze, you get lost because all you see is corn. You see all these paths and all these corn. And you're like, how do I find my way? See, vision is having the map in the corn maze to see beyond what's dead set when Elisha opens up the, the servant's eyes, he sees the army that's surrounding them, but then he sees the bigger army that's surrounding that army. So although there's an army around them, there's a bigger army for them. He just needed to see it. And that's what vision does for us. It's like a map. God is doing things around us. Sometimes we just got to see what he's doing and understand how everything is going to work out. It, it's a difference between being surrounded and having your enemies surrounded. 
But the problem for us is that we don't take time to actually look. You know, last week we talked about God speaking to us. Do we actually take the time to stop and wait and listen to his voice? Same as with vision. We take the time to go and seek God for what his vision is for our life. Because his vision, God's vision, gives us life. It gives us hope. And what's amazing is Jesus was dependent upon that. His entire ministry was dependent upon the vision that God had for him. John chapter 5, verse 19, Jesus says this, Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yes, he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. It's a fascinating picture because when we look at Jesus' ministry, we just get the sense that Jesus, you know, was a sick person came up to him, he prayed for the sick person. But the picture that Jesus paints here, what he's telling us, is it's not that it just was random. It was he was looking to see what the Father was doing, and he was doing what the Father was doing. He was engaged with what the Father was doing, what the Father was initiating. And that's the challenge for us many times. Because we don't always look to see what God is doing in our lives. And sometimes we need to step back and see, what is God doing in our lives? What is he doing in the lives of the people around us? See, God is always at work. The Holy Spirit is always working. He's always doing something. And sometimes we just have to step back and just ask that simple question. Lord, what are you doing here? What are you doing in this moment? That's my default. Whenever I'm in a situation that doesn't make sense, whenever I'm in a situation that's complicated or scary or, or what have you, that gets me off guard, I step back and say, Lord, what are you doing here? What am I supposed to get? What am I supposed to see? See, our, our goal is to begin to be able to see the bigger picture, to be able to see the army of the Lord around us, being able to see what God is doing. Today's a great day for this. Two, four, six, eight. There's 11 of us here. And if you remove the worship team, people who didn't have a responsibility to do something this morning, there are three people here. You look at this and you start asking questions. What are we doing here? Why are we doing this? Are we just fooling ourselves? It's easy to get stuck there. It's easy to get locked in that place and look around and just get this sense of hopelessness because all we see is what's in front of us, but we don't see what God has been doing around us. We've seen some healings in the past year that have been absolutely incredible. God is healing people. We've seen people come to the Lord. We've had baptisms for the first time in a decade. Do I even have to talk about the miracle that's this building? And how God opened it up for us? It, nothing we did got us this space, guys. Nothing. 
I was at an area retreat and uh, uh, up in Wisconsin a couple weeks ago, and they invited the old regional overseer, uh, Hap and Diane Lehman, uh, from Champaign Vineyard. They're since retired, um, and they, they invited them up to come and speak to us. I was talking with Happy, and I had a conversation with Happy in 10 years probably since they moved things around, and he was no longer my regional overseer. And he said, well, what are you guys doing? And I told him the story of this building, and it about blew his mind. And he goes, Joe, you got to keep reminding your people over and over and over again about the miracle that God is doing in your midst. He goes, this isn't anything small. This is massive. The miracle that God is doing in our midst. But we can miss this. We can take it for granted. We can forget about it. In my, in my Bible reading right now, I'm in the middle of uh, Leviticus. I'm in the middle of the uh, people of Israel, in the middle of the desert. So, so think of this for a moment, right? They're slaves. And then God shows up and like wipes out with plagues, half the Egyptians. And then they go to the Red Sea, and he parts the Red Sea, right? And he wipes out the, the Egyptian army. And then they go marching, and they get hungry in the desert, so he provides food for them. He provides meat for them. He provides water from them. They see the, there's a flame in front of them leading them. There's a cloud. There's all this stuff happening around them. And what do they do? Oh, you know, the onions are better in Egypt. Oh, this is so hard. Oh, Moses went up there. We don't know what happened to him. Maybe we should go after another god instead. And that's the middle of everything that God's doing for them. How much easier is it for us to forget what God has done for us? To lose that. To lose that vision. And that's why we put that story page up, and we need stories, guys, because it's so easy to forget the things that God has done. We're not, we didn't put it up there as like brag about how cool we are, but it's to remind us that God's presence, presence is with us. He's still active. He's still moving. When we're operating in what God's vision is for our lives, when we're partnering with what he's doing, anything is possible. But it's so easy for us to forget that and focus on other things. Now, that leads us to one final question that I know most people have. What's God, God's vision for my life? How do I know what's God's vision? Remember what we opened up in, in Proverbs. Without vision, people perish. God has a plan, a vision for each one of us whether we recognize it or not. But here's the thing. It's up to us to decide if we want to follow that vision or not. Many of us choose not. We have the ability to do our own things, to rebel Him, to ignore Him. Think about the Israelites again. We have that choice. But when we come into alignment with the callings God has for our life, with the vision He has for our lives, we all of a sudden find peace, we find wholeness, we find life, we find that shalom that Scripture talks about. But here's the thing about God's vision in our lives. No matter what it is, no matter who we are, it will always have three elements. Always in it. The first one is simple. God's vision will always be bigger than anything you can manage on your own. If you can figure out how to do it on your own, it's probably not God's vision for your life. 
If you can work it out, then it's probably not God. See, if, if Elijah's servant could figure out how to defeat that army, then it probably wasn't God, it was Elijah's servant. But whenever you see big things happen, think about it. You're the Israelites, and there's the Red Sea, and there's the Egyptians. Can you figure out how to get out of that? You can figure out how to do it, but it's probably not God. God's vision for us always requires His help for it to be accomplished in our lives. He has to be active to do it. It's not what you do, it's what He does. Second, God's vision will always cost us more than we think we can give. There's always a cost to following God. And it's usually everything you have. God's vision will stretch us. It will make us uncomfortable. It will take us to places that we didn't think we could go and risk things that we didn't think we could risk. That song we sang today, that was the first time I heard it, that's a fascinating song. What was that third song? Sarah Yes. All of our flags, all of our politics, all of our, all of our, all of our, all goes to you because everything else is an idol. Everything is yours. Third, and most importantly, God's vision will always drive us towards the needs of the world and the hearts of the lost. There's a, a saying in the church, Missio Dei, the mission of God. We serve a God that is on mission. He's on a mission. He's on a mission. Jesus came and he said, I came uh, to advance the kingdom, to announce the kingdom of God, to, to go and, and set the captive free. God is on a mission. So, your, so God's vision for your life will be a part of that mission that he is on, his vision for the world. What's important to him is what's going to drive your vision, his vision for you. Now, how we do it may look differently, but it still may be part, it's still a part of his mission. I remember when I first uh, started pastoring and I was really excited about church planting, and if anybody in our church had any inkling of leadership, I decided they were going to go to plant the church. And so we started investing and putting people, you know, talking to people about church planting and getting excited in them. And, and I had all of these people. And Steve Nicholson, who at the time was uh, the head of Vineyard Church Planting, came to me and said, Joe, not every leader is supposed to be a church planter. You need a handful of people who can actually fund the churches that you're sending out. Some people, their call on their life is simply to make lots of money so that they can fund what God is doing. Now you all have that. See, the calling that God puts in our life doesn't always look the same. It doesn't always mean that you have to go into full-time ministry, you have to go into the mission field, or you have to go plant a church, or any of that stuff. But what it does mean is the calling is put into your life somehow, some way, supports the mission that God is on. Seeking and saving the lost. Bringing redemption to the world. Freeing the captives. Bringing healing to the sick. 
advancing the kingdom of God. It may look different, but it's always still part of his mission. So, how's your vision? Is it time to ask for some spiritual glasses to see what God is actually doing in your life, in the lives around you? Dave Ferguson, who pastors uh, a church down in Haverhill, uh, has this great quote. If you can accomplish the vision and goals for your life without God, perhaps you need a bigger vision. For if our eyes are to be good, they need to be focused on what God is doing. I don't know if many of you know this about me, but over the last year and a half, I've had tremendous vision problems, like physical vision problems. Uh, we got COVID in November of 2020, and I don't know if there's a correlation to this, but since then, my eyesight has been like a roller coaster ride. I have a hard time reading books, which is not good for me. So much so that I actually have a couple pairs of readers that I have to switch into because I never know exactly where my reading is going to be at that particular time. I went to uh, my eye doctor um, to see what's wrong, and uh, he goes, uh, you're never going to believe this. And I go, what? He goes, your vision's improved, but because you're wearing glasses, you know, the balance is all off, so you need a different prescription so that you can read that. See, what happens is when our vision starts to deteriorate, we hardly notice it. I didn't notice that I was having issues until I discovered that I couldn't read. I was having difficulty reading. And for many of us, our vision starts deteriorating. We never catch it. We never notice it until it's way too late. It's so easy for us to lose vision, to get caught up with everything that's happening around us and completely miss what God is doing right in front of us. It's so easy to miss what he wants to do through us and in us. That's why, that's why they say, go see your eye doctor every now and then. You might not notice until you go get your driver's license that you can't see anymore. That's a bad time to make that discovery. Just like that, we need to go to Jesus every now and then and check our vision. What is he calling us to? For the mark of spiritual maturity and health is when we are focused on what he's called us to do. So how's your vision? Before you do ministry time real quick, I'm going to do it a little differently. Let me pray. Holy Spirit, we just invite your presence right here. Lord, come and speak to us. Lord, you've called each one of us by name. You've called each one of us. You have a plan for our life. None of us are accidents. None of us are just lucky to be here. Lord, you have a plan for our life. You've called us to a destiny. Something greater than us. Holy Spirit, come. Come and speak into our hearts, into our spirits, our minds. Just pray this in Jesus' name.
Um, we were in Puerto Rico, and uh, I was praying. The Lord said something really funny. I've been doing the math in my head, and I don't mean this like depressing or like die soon. But I figured I got about 53 years now. 53, let's do what? 68. That's probably a good time to retire. I feel a little too late to retire, but you know, I got about 53 years. And I've been here, um, this is our 19th year that we've been in Utah. So, that's the halfway mark, and uh, this is what I have to show for it. Just kind of depressing. So I'm in Puerto Rico, and I'm praying, and the Lord says to me, He goes, uh, you guys in DeKalb, in the next 15 years, you're going to plant 25 churches in Illinois, the U.S., you're going to plant 25 churches in the U.S. I said, okay. Said, have you looked at my church? He goes, no, you're gonna you're gonna create a network of churches that are gonna support one another, that are gonna be intertwined with one another, that is gonna do a tremendous effect across northern Illinois and beyond. And you're gonna create another network down in the Caribbean that's gonna do the exact same thing. Different types of churches, some big, some small, some satellites, some just additional communities. That's all gonna come out of And uh, I said, okay, Lord. I said, well, we got 27 people last time I did the census. I think we're lower than that today. So that, that's like one person per church. So do I get to send everybody out? So, but I don't know how the Lord's going to do it. I see bits and pieces in my head. I've had visions of this for, for 30 years. I don't know how we start, how we does it, but he's got dates in my head of I need to be prepared for, and some of them are a lot sooner than later. Things are ramping up. And so I'm pressing into that. I'm asking the Lord, you know, okay, how are we going to do that? I'm taking um, our board on a, on a trip in March hopefully, to uh, get some training on this stuff. Because that's what I think they call. I have no idea how we're going to do it in the Caribbean because the infrastructure is not there right now. So somehow we need to find a person of peace for the disciples. This church is supposed to be a sending church. It's supposed to raise up disciples. It's supposed to transform lives. It's supposed to send people out with whatever they're calling they're supposed to do. Some of that will be church planting. Some of that will be other things. This church has always been called. This church has been called to, to change the environment of To invest in the other churches in Cal, not compete with them, but invest in them. To invest in your community, to change our community. And through that, we're going to spread out in other communities, change other communities. And it's not because of me, it's because of what God has. And the vision that He's given me doesn't have me on a video screen somewhere else, it just has us investing in people putting the DNA that the Lord has put in us, sending them out to go do it somewhere else. Not the way they did it with the Acts. In the next 15 years, this place is going to be 
And I've been talking to Cindy. My, my gut tells me that in the next 12 months, we're going to be sitting somewhere closer to 100 than we are to 24. Because the Lord's about to open up the doors because we're seeing him start things. We're seeing him heal people. We're seeing lives get changed out there. We're seeing the first fruits of what he wants to do. This building is the first fruits of what he wants to do because to accomplish the vision, we needed a base camp. We have a base camp. So when I come here on days like today and I look at this and I think, this is depressing. Then I step back and the Lord goes, 25 churches. Because I can do things with very little. I'm like, well, we provide the little. So here's what I want you to do for ministry time. God has, has put something in each one of your lives, in each one of your hearts, some of it may be like out of this world and you're going, I've never told a soul in my life. Or you may have told people and they laughed at you. That's not going to happen today. God has put a vision in each one of your hearts. And some of it may be like really extravagant. So I want you to go find somebody in this room and that shouldn't be very difficult. Okay? I had the nerve to get up here to, what was the number, 11? And tell you that we were going to plant 25 churches. Go find someone and tell them that crazy vision. Because sometimes visions just have to I don't understand why this is, but sometimes the words have to come into the atmosphere. They have to be spoken. And when we speak them, they come alive. Nothing mystical about this. It's just sometimes it just has to be spoken. And then, the person you go to will tell you theirs, and then you two pray for each other. Because whatever it is, it's going to need a lot of God. So go find somebody. Don't go to your spouse or your significant other. That's cheating. Find somebody else. And just say, okay, I know this sounds crazy. I know this sounds crazy. But. Don't know what it is? Okay, I'll give you a little thing. This is what I tell people who are always lost on vision and confused. If God answered all your prayers and all your dreams came true, and money was absolutely no object, what would you do? What would you do? There's a guy by the name of Neil Cole. I heard this on a podcast that I sent to the board. And I love Neil Cole. He asked that question and said, okay, whatever God gave you, multiply it by 10,000, and that's what God's plan is for your life. 